1: Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonico. Alyssa, something has been vexing me. Tell me. Nobody's talking about this, but the leading two presidential candidates in the Republican Party are named Donald and Ronald. What on earth? Like, why aren't we talking about... Why isn't this the only well, thing we are, are talking now. about? we are now, Ronald yeah. and Donald. Do Go, they have re- matching suspenders? <laughs> I don't know, but they sound like uh, mascots for McFascism. Ba-dum-bum. This week, we are joined by Tian Tran and Jill Gutowitz to take on the following. What did former President Donald Trump get for his birthday? When does an age gap relationship get creepy? What's one of the most mask things you can do at a four-way stop? All this and more right now. And welcome to Hysteria, the podcast that's had to pee for three hours but would rather power through than get up now. It's always my position and I always regret it. (laughs) It's same. You know, it's like the the passing a rest stop feeling where you're like, I can do it. Am I going to do it? You're not going to get a sticker for waiting the longest to pee.
0: I passed it once, and I was with a friend who was like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I really got to pee, and we got stuck in traffic. And so I was not paying attention to the map, and he's like, you better pee in this cup. And we were like two miles from the exit. but You did just, it? I did. I peed in the cup. That's
1: actual skill, to be able to pee in a, that targeted a manner.
0: And it was a Toyota Corolla, too. Oh,
1: my God. Well, some. <laughs>
0: Get learn th- something
1: new <laughs> get this woman a book deal oh wait um, <laughs> I you know there's this stretch of highway going from like outside of Las Vegas heading west toward Los Angeles yes And if you're on it on like a Sunday late afternoon slash evening, there are a lot of people heading back west. And sometimes traffic on that stretch is like very, very bad. And there's this section right past the California border that I like to call P Alley because if traffic is bad, (laughs) you'll see people just like emergency pulling their cars off and people kind of like scurrying off into the shrub To pee by the side of the road, and it's
0: not very good cover. It's not like wooded or anything. Let this be a public service announcement: a toilet in hand, my friends. (laughs) All right. Speaking of
1: toilets, Donald, let's get into Donald Trump. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Can we just talk real quick before we get into the story of you know the indictment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? La la la. Um, The fact that Donald Trump had all of those top secret documents stacked in boxes in a bathroom. Okay, so we know that, right? I have thoughts, (laughs) though. We also know that Donald Trump has said on the record that sometimes it takes him 10, 11 times to flush the toilet. Yes. Um, Those documents are covered in fecal matter particles.
0: And Erin, I just, you know, my mom always taught me money can't buy you class. But have you ever seen an uglier bathroom? Have you ever seen uglier bathrooms? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen bathrooms that were uglier on purpose
1: and gas station bathrooms that have been uglier than that. It
0: was a hideous
1: bathroom. Like, I would be more comfortable if it looked like an in-and-out bathroom. You know, I would yeah. be like, functional, gets the job done, that's it. Uh, yeah. Chandelier, gross. How do you clean oh, that? Oh, the chandelier.
0: And it was like low-hanging. It wasn't even a high-ceiling bathroom. I
1: mean, I'm not a germ freak, but like that, that whole image made my skin crawl. Couldn't agree more. There are universes of super viruses, like like para- like whatever you get on a cruise ship there's like cruise ship virus planets developing on each of those chandelier beads. And it, it's horrifying.
0: Well, listen, I feel like the poor people from the National Archives or whoever takes possession of those documents is going to be dressed head to toe like in the movie Contagion. <laughs> oh
1: my God. Too soon. Too soon. Um, It's somebody's birthday on uh, oh. the 14th. We're recording this on the 14th. You're going to hear this on the 15th or later, but it is, it's somebody's birthday and I think we should acknowledge it.
0: Aaron, as we record this episode today, it is Donald Trump's birthday. <gasps> and to celebrate on Tuesday, the eve of his very special day, the federal government hosted an arraignment in Miami, oh. where the former president pleaded not guilty to 37, 37 criminal charges because he hid classified documents at his resort in Mar a Lago. Aaron, this is the first time in US history. Breaking barriers, shattering glass ceilings left and right. Shattering glass toilets, honestly. Toilets that a former president has been indicted on federal charges. Few other hot birthday gifts came his way. Ivanka gave him zero attention uh, around the indictment as she continues to publicly ignore her dad, but we'll get to her again in a minute. (laughs) And E. Jean Carroll got the green light from a Manhattan judge to amend her defamation suit against Trump because he's constitutionally incapable of shutting the fuck up. And she is now able to use the garbage he spewed at his recent CNN town hall against him. And I want you to know that I checked right before we got on the uh, pod today. And Ivanka has wished her father a happy birthday on social media. Actually, though, did she not? Not so much a happy birthday. (laughs) She wished him, quote, a year filled with the happiness you deserve. (laughs) Wow. That does sound like something a
1: Scorpio would say to a Gemini. And Ivanka, do not forget, is a Scorpio. Donald Trump, obviously a
0: Gemini. That is. And let me tell you, Ivanka, Aaron, we have said it. Look, grudge packs still exist. We're watching you, Ivanka. We know you have designs on your future that we will never let come to fruition. No. But the best, biggest tell in her post is that the only pictures of her with her father, she has not started wearing a bra in any of these pictures. She's a child. She's a tiny child. Before Donald Trump started saying pervy things about her, she's like that little. She is that little. So you know what? Sad trombone for him. But let us say have the worst birthday you absolute fucking menace to society. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man. Um yeah, I, I guess like I don't know what there is to say beyond, you know, 37 indictments young for a for a really, you know, 37 indictments young. One thing I really loved about um Monday. I didn't really love Monday just because Monday was I agree. just or Tuesday. The one thing I didn't I didn't love Tuesday. Um what what are days? Um One thing I didn't love about it was the fact that I still had to devote any mental real estate to Donald Trump at all. Um, fun story, just quick sidebar, when I was writing for the Daily Beast in the run-up to the 2016 election, uh, Donald Trump was trailing comically in the polls in the waning weeks, as you remember, probably. Mm-hmm. I wrote a story that was like a sort of funny public interest story where I asked a bunch of people, when do you think the last time will be that you ever think about Donald Trump? Because at that point in oh. the election cycle, we were all so tired of it, you know? We were just like, don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it. And I—, I have thought about going back and looking at it several times, but I can't because it's like, I think we're all going to be thinking about him forever. Forever. And it sucks. Every time he's brought up again, it's like, it just, it, it adds. But Miami, um, the site of where Trump was arraigned and placed under arrest by federal authorities on Tuesday, uh, Miami had prepared for 50,000 pro-Trump protesters and only like... A couple hundred came. Yeah. Only a couple hundred people were there, and we don't—some of them were media. And some of them were protesters. <laughs> right. Well, do you remember that, like, um, straight pride parade that they tried to—like, ske- some oh, kind of whack, yes. whack jobs tried to schedule at a park in, I want to say, Maryland, Um, and it was mostly media that showed up to cover, like, 12 morons circling a tree? Sort of like— that's sort Dad. of that sort of a deal. A sad, you know, sad exclamation point. Um, after the arraignment, Trump went to eat Cuban food in Little Havana on um, an off-record stop because he was trying to draw a parallel between his own persecution and the persecution of Cubans. Fidel Castro famously went after everyone who stole. Uh, secret documents, and uh, violated the Espionage Act. Put them in ugly bathrooms. One of the main indignities of the the Castro regime. Um, Trump's co-defendant, who is this guy?
0: Oh, I mean, what is he thinking? Walt Nauda. I think that's how you say his name. He faces six charges. He was also arrested uh, yesterday. Here's the interesting thing, Erin. He worked with him in the White House. He was a valet. Uh, I worked with valets when I was in the White House. They are lovely. I guess he really liked Trump because— the military, uh, the valets are usually military. So he he left, he left and he went to go work with Trump and he was down in Mar-a-Lago and he's accused of helping him, uh, you know, hide documents in a bathroom. But Erin, here's the interesting thing about this is that as part of, you know, like when these things happen, you get arraigned. You get fingerprinted. You would do a lot like they're su- not supposed to talk to each other. Like you're not supposed to talk to someone like I have been deposed before and you're not supposed to talk to other people who are part of the whole crime. You know what I mean? Were you part of a crime, Melissa? No, I was a witness, not a target. Thank oh, okay. you so much. But she but but he they like they're like still rolling together. It's like Trump has flouted. Every, well, of course he has every sort of like, OK, I mean, I want them to put a house arrest bracelet on him or something. He, it's, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah. they left together. They left together and went and got Cuban
2: food.
1: Um, how do you think, where do you think Walt Nada, Nada falls on Donald Trump's child love ranking? I think he loves Walt more oh, than he, he loves his son. He yeah. is the eldest
0: boy. He is the eldest boy. He is <laughs> <laughs> the eldest boy at this oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh,
1: Don Jr., Don who? Um, <laughs> another thing I wanted to comment on, and this is complete fluff, but it's something that I need to point out, is that special counsel Jack Smith has, the, has kind of a haunted air about him, like a season yeah. one Matthew McConaughey, true detective season one Matthew McConaughey, like when he's first talking about time being a flat circle. And he <laughs> looks like a combination of John Turturro and Abraham Lincoln.
0: Fuck, I will never be able to unsee that.
1: yeah. I know. Great actor. Great president. Great special prosecutor. We'll see. Um, But he's been kind of uh, it's been refreshing to see a person in the position that he's in not be a total media whore.
0: Yeah, totally agree. He's just like flying under the radar best he can.
1: And he's even got a name that I'm like, that's not a real you made that up, Jack Smith.
0: He made it up that's because a, that's amazing. he's going to he's gonna disappear when this is all
1: over. You can stop using your fake bar name with us, Jack Smith. W- just what's your real name, man?
0: But like, here's the other thing that I uh, I went a little down the rabbit hole with yesterday. Trump's PAC, the Save America PAC. Aaron, they're paying all his fucking legal bills. They're not just paying his legal bills. They're paying legal bills for people who are like tangentially related to all of these cases that he is now like mobbed up in. And... It is, I found this out. So $16 million in total, $10 million directly for his legal fees, which is just shy of 20% of all expenditures of the Save America PAC. Do you think mm-hmm. the
1: people who contribute to the Save America PAC care? Uh,
0: maybe not, but it's like Tom Brokaw used to do these se- these segments back in the 90s called the fleecing of America. This is, this is fodder for such a segment. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean-
1: I was thinking about this when I was stuck in nightmare traffic on the way here today. As uh, one is. Which is that, yes, it, as it happens, it's part of, mm-hmm. it's a canon event, as they say. Um, I was just, I was thinking, what what is Trump's end game here? You know, he's, okay, so we're going into 2024 with every passing day. I think that there are, there are Trump supporters who are never going to abandon him and everyone's sort right. of just like, but Trump is not gaining supporters If anything, his supporters are maybe like he's losing them to like age and death, you know, like he's not like there's not like a bunch of people becoming turning 18 and being like, all right, going to vote for Donald Trump, you know, the replace they're not being replaced, you know, as they. If anybody peels off of like the the Trump train or there's no backfill. Exactly. Or the people that held their nose and voted for him because of taxes back in 2016, but then voted for Biden in 2020 aren't considering going back to Trump now. You know what I mean? That's just me taking the temperature. I don't know.
0: So what does he think is going to happen? His end game is he's just kind of he's going to hope that there are like enough Trump judges who will keep punting these, right, past 2024. He's going to try to keep enough supporters. I personally think, I mean, running for president is the mechanism for which he will just pay his legal bills, mm-hmm. right? He wants people, he will be aggrieved, he will be hard done by, he will attack Ron DeSantis, and he he will attack everybody. And there will be a, I think, small enough, like, not not small enough, there will be a mighty enough group of people who think that nobody understands them but Trump, who will keep donating to this and just pay his legal bills. I really think that's the whole point.
1: It's it's literally like a it's a pyramid scheme happening right before, or a Ponzi yep. scheme. He's sort yep. of the Bernie Madoff, except of he's way more destructive than Bernie Madoff. Um, I want to talk a little bit about another destructive force right now. Oh. And that is this sort of like undercurrent... Um, among conservatism that used to be sort of like whispered and wink-wink alluded to, and now they're just like saying it into microphones and having speeches about it. Um, Ben Shapiro's younger, dumber, and somehow more annoying doppelganger Charlie Kirk's (laughs) conservative organization, Turning Point USA, hosted its annual Young Women's Leadership Summit in Grapevine, Texas. So real quick, pause. What do you think the average age was for the attendees of the Young Women's Leadership Summit? 52. 52. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like there is a there was an article recently about a young conservative conference and the young speakers were all like 58. It's like, yeah. All right. And you know what? As someone 47, I wouldn't call myself young. So they're definitely not young. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, life expectancy in this country is 80. I think 40 is middle aged. Right. If you're if you're like 50, you're not you're definitely not young if you're
2: 40.
0: You know, it's young women. Young women,
1: young women's leadership summit. Uh, over the course of three days, a roster of some of America's worst women: Laura Ingram, who is a hundred percent not young, like no. not at all, kept alive by the blood of virgins that she keeps in her <laughs> attic. Um, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, also not young. Candace Owens, not that young. Carrie Lake, not young, not young, not okay. Who the fuck are you to talk to young? Like what? What I feel like if that 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 TikTok video about young gron- baby Gronk being rizzed up gave <laughs> you a headache, you are not young. Like uh, anyway, um, so they offered a variation of the same kind of speech, encouraging the young attendees, which you know, Pixar didn't happen, to give up their career <laughs> aspirations and birth control. Uh, the Daily Wire's Candace Owens wrapped up the convention by telling attendees every ill that we're fighting right now in society has been brought forth by women. (laughs) Mm. What? Who Famously, we famously invented the nuclear bomb, uh, thus ushering in an age of proxy war and uh, bloodshed in developing (laughs) countries. That is a thing that women did for sure. Um, So the narrative of the weekend was pretty, I mean, this is like, we're laughing, but the narrative of the weekend was sort of like, what conservatives want is for not for men to make marriage something that is more worthwhile and valuable to women in our current society. They want women to just be like, just they want to just back us back into the kitchen and yeah. uh, like ignore the fact that um, in many cases, marriage does not make women's lives better. Marriage and motherhood do, do, in American society does not make women's lives better. In many cases, no. um, just,
0: just ignore it. Just do it. Come on. Come on. Come do you on. You know, the funniest thing when you texted me this article, I was like, Jesus Christ. But as I am prone to go down a rabbit hole or two, especially when I can't sleep, I was like, fucking Laura Ingram, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Candace Owens, Carolyn, who were they to talk? They don't have kids because, Aaron, I couldn't imagine that such evil had spawned. And then I saw that each one of them has two or three kids. And I- all I thought of, I was like, that's so sad. So sad. I'm so sorry they have kids. But here's another interesting thing. Did you know Carrie Lake was a Buddhist up until two years ago? Mm, I feel like she really took a
1: left turn. Hard left. Yeah. A hard She's right. She's like, hard right. you know what? I've had enough of these chill vibes. I'm going to be <laughs> as unchill as possible. The least chill. Um, the thing that's like, that's the most ridiculous to me is like Charlie Kirk spoke multiple times at this conference. And um, uh, he uh, one college student stood up and shared her dreams of becoming a successful <laughs> surgeon and her concerns that uh the tension between her ambition and a desire to start a family would like was was going to make her life hard her chosen life but she can't have all she was like can i have it all and charlie kirk was like you're going to have to choose which one matters more and then he instructed the young woman to quote spend a couple of days with infants and see how she feels afterwards yeah actually Yes. Do that. If you're a young woman, spend a couple days taking care of an infant and you will be like, holy shit. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to focus on my career because this fucking suck. Infants are terrible. First of all, Charlie Kirk, tell me you've never taken care of an infant without <laughs> telling me you've never actually taken care of an infant. Um, It's awful. Babies. Gr- I love my daughter. I of course b- you do. Might want to have another one at some point. Um, it wasn't like a horrible experience for you, but it is hard and it sucks. Charlie, you dumbass. Anyway, and he told her she'd run out of time to find a husband if she focused on her professional aspirations in her 20s and then said there are a lot of successful 35-year-old orthopedic surgeons that have cats and not kids, and they're very miserable.
0: Do you know (laughs) what makes me need Xanax? Charlie
1: Kirk, not my cats. (sighs) Do you know the happiest demographic in American society? It's uh, women who don't have children and never got married. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm married, but still, my I life mean, is not could, that hard.
1: So you could be happier, Alyssa. I could saying. be
0: happier. I could, I could, Aaron. I, I could just, have more cats. And and this is this is not to
1: say that marriage and children are a miserable choice, but the way that our society is set up to not support mothers, to not support families. And the way that men in our society are socialized to not be nurturers in a way that's useful and helpful to the women who are having their children means that in a lot of cases, unless people are a little bit more emotionally mature, like marriage can actually, marriage and child rearing can like really fucking suck. Sometimes it's like the fault of the people who are participating in it. And sometimes it's like larger cultural forces. But the fact that conservatives are trying to gaslight young people into thinking that your life will resemble an advertisement from the 1950s, like a version of the 1950s that never really existed
0: for anybody. Um, no, his advice should come with a recipe for a jello mold.
1: Maybe a savory gelatin, a savory same. Maybe some (laughs) aspic. Oh my god! Have you? Do you follow those Instagram accounts that are like wild seventies food? Where it's I love it. It'll be like an opaque pink Jello ring
0: with like tuna chunks in it, and it's like you're supposed. Erin, I'm telling you, you know that I've always advocated that we should do an episode. High that we should get high once and do a show. <laughs> What's, well, let me tell how you. How you know I'm not high right now, Alyssa? Well, it's you could be. Nine thirty in the morning. Listen, I'm just saying that we should do it and we should take down. We should go down the rabbit hole of that Instagram account. We should make some creamy, savory Jello molds. <laughs> oh my God! Let's get crooked to
1: book the kitchen set that we use to shoot our coffee. I would die. I would be out there in two minutes. You would be like Cannonball Run driving across the country in 27 hours uh, without stopping 100 miles an hour to do this. No, that'd be super fun. But here's the thing. That's what conservatives want. They want to trick people, lie to people, and say that what women must do is give up everything about themselves in order to, like— Fall into the mold of the, the patriarchy already made that sucks for everybody. Um, yeah, I mean it didn't work the first time. Maybe if we try it again, it'll work. No, it won't.
0: They're exhausting.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty over it. Okay, uh, you want to take a break? Take a break. Yeah. Come back. Come back and have a little bit of a, what we are going to call a group chat. Love a group chat. Love a group chat. Stick around. We'll be right back. Yeah.
0: I have I refuse to be uncomfortable if I want to be productive. I
1: refuse (laughs) to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time.
0: (laughs) Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viori is offering hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any US orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viori.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that watched the first episode of The Idol, hated it, and will definitely be watching episode two. Right? Just me? No. You didn't watch it, Alyssa? No. Not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. I think that some of the hype around it where they were like, in con, they couldn't believe it. It was pornographic. I watched the first episode and was like, let's see what you got, HBO. No. It was like... It was like the extra mild sauce at Taco Bell of pornography. <laughs> it was just sort of like, no, cool. This is like, a, do you remember that, that, that ludicrous song, What's Your Fantasy from the 90s? Yeah, And of then like, right, we used to scream sing it in the locker room after basketball games, like normal 14-year-olds, right? Um I remember like, yeah, all this, I I know about sex. And then like, (laughs) when I got older, I remember thinking like, this is a song written by and for people who have never had kinky
0: sex. See, I turned the idol on for like two minutes and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should rewatch and just like that and like get into Che Diaz's comedy concerts again. I will say this, Lily Rose Depp is very pretty that's a nice thing to Good say for about her. the show.
1: She's very pretty. Good for her. Good for I mean, if she wasn't, I would be like, you really whiffed it. Look at your... You're, too, you're the gene pool here. You really <laughs> whiffed Lily Rose. Um, all right. Let's get into what we're about to talk about this week. I want to bring in our panel first. You know and love our first panelist from How I Met Your Father on Hulu, Tian Tran. Hi. Welcome. It
5: took all my energy not to jump into that what's your fantasy conversation. <laughs> tell me. What, <laughs> no, well, how? I don't know. I'd just be like, oh, my God. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes. Like, we used to sing it all the time. Backseat, windows Was up. up. That's, that's, the way way it. I, that's the way I look. Just thinking about like a bunch of like 13 and 14 year old girls being like, I want to lick, lick, lick <laughs> you from your head to your toes. You're like, I've never, I have no idea what that T-M-O, is. though, is it worse that I used to
0: sing that song out loud on the T when I was in Boston at age 24?
5: Oh. <laughs> that's incredible that's a
0: good way to not be bothered on public transportation is to just like
1: sing that song I think people will pretty much leave you alone if you're singing that song our next panelist is a returning Hysteria Champ she's a writer director and author she recently debuted her short film The Ladies and her book Girls Can Kiss Now is available wherever you get books Jill Gutowitz, welcome to Hysteria
2: hi thank you I too I feel muzzled I desperately want to talk about the idol (laughs) it is written by incel virgins (laughs) who have never had sex (laughs) yeah that's all i wanted to say
1: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm going to keep watching it though because i'm like this is high budget crap i've got to i've got to they put so much time and effort into it (laughs) i feel like very good i mean the weekend is just a is he supposed to be sexy in
2: some way in this role I saw him comment on it today that he—I think it was GQ put out, like, an article saying this was, like, the worst sex scene of all time in episode two. And then he tried to, like, walk it back and was like, it's actually not supposed to be sexy. He's actually supposed to look like a loser. And we were like, it's like, you, you don't think that. We know you don't think that, like, your performance says otherwise. We know you thought it was hot. Uh,
1: yeah, that's—ugh, man, that's a bad show. Okay, but let's let's get into our topic <laughs> today. This is something that comes up over and over again and in a bunch of different contexts, and a lot of times it's when some celebrity usually a guy who's like in his 40s starts dating somebody who is like a woman who's like 19 and everyone's like that's weird and then there are people that are like no but the rule is it's your age divided by 2 plus 7 or whatever <laughs> we're always talking about age gap relationships they're endlessly a topic of fascination consternation condemnation etc um and so let's kind of get into it i feel like a lot of times it's it, the conversation centers around a very like straight like, hetero experience, and I think that there's some perspectives that get left out, so I would love to kind of get into that. So, uh, Tian. Yes. When you see an age gap in a relationship, is there a point at which you're like, yuck, and what is that point? Oh,
5: God. (sighs) I like—my gut instinct is, like, when I do see— I do think about mostly straight relationships when it comes... To, I love thinking about straight relationships <laughs> when it comes to age gaps. And <laughs> and I, I the thing that gives me kind of like the ugh is when it's like an older man who's dating someone and they have like a daughter that is the same age. That's the one <laughs> that always kind of gets me. Like I've actually... Ugh. I know some stories of like friends of friends who know... It's always like friends of friends who know people. They're like, yeah... They started dating my friend, and he has a daughter that's her age. And I was just like, Ugh. "Oh, <laughs> that's the one that gets me." Yeah, I mean, like, is can the daughter be like five years younger? If the daughter
1: would be in like school at the same time as the that, girlfriend, that, that- kind of. Yeah. Why is that? Why does that make you uncomfortable?
5: Because I'm just like thinking about all the dads that I knew growing up (laughs) and just thinking about one of my friends being like, yeah, I'll I'll date Mr. Bauer. I'd be like, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) That sounds terrible. Does it make you think that maybe when you
1: were that age, that men that were your dad's age were looking at you like a potential partner?
5: God, I don't even want to think about that. I, I mean... No, I hope not. God,
1: yeah. ew,
2: Aaron,
5: stop
1: sorry. It. I'm sorry. I will. Uh, I'll take you out from the vice I've put okay, you in. <laughs> Jill, how about you? What's your like when you see a relationship? At what point are you sort of like, this does not feel right?
2: I think it doesn't feel right when the person is like of a certain youthful age. Like, when I think about age gap, like, the first thing that came to mind to me was, for was like, um, Sarah Paulson and Holland Taylor. And which, like, you know, I have questions, but um, ultimately I love. For me, that one, like, is not a problem at all because they're both, like, of <laughs> a certain age. And when I think about, like, a 19-year-old girl dating, like, a man in his 40s, even, like, his 30s, it's just, like, Looking at the man, why are you, as an adult man, like interested in a 19-year-old girl? Like that's spooky to me. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you guys talk about? Mm-hmm. Also, like, why is your taste in women like teenage? Like that's just like not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like the point for me is just like if the if if anyone is like under 25 and somebody else is over 40, I don't know, it's just it it, it just starts to feel creepy, like it's too young. Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Alyssa, what's your
1: perspective
0: here? At what point does it feel creepy to you? I agree with that. I think it's like if, look, I mean, I I can still sort of recall my pre-30 years. And if someone who was like in their 40s wanted to date me, they would have there would have been something very wrong with them. You know what I mean? Like, what on earth do you have in common? What are you talking about? If you're like in your 40s and you're going out with a, a person in their early 20s, why are you still going to clubs? What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> it's it's like there are just, yeah. I am a very different person now than I was then. I think that's true for most human beings. And so it's like, if you, if, if specifically, if it is a man who is over 40 and it is a very young woman, it feels to me most likely like it's somewhat transactional. And I just I hope that like the younger person is getting at least something out of it, you know, like mm-hmm. then as the older person who's like, you know, when I uh when I graduated college, I worked at a law firm, Aaron, as uh, one does. And I was a paralegal. And you would <laughs> see down the World Financial Center, just like these young women who were dating partners, and they were always like, look, they weren't dressed like me in the uh, Tahari outlet suit that they got, you know, at Danbury, at the Danbury outlets. They were like, look, no, no one was squiring me around looking because I looked like an actual paralegal, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I felt like there was uh, something to be, that the older person was trying to communicate something about themselves by having someone much younger with mm-hmm. them. And like, what fun is that? Who's like having a good time doing that? Just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. I think in defense
1: of the younger partner in those situations, I think youth is a kind of form of power and currency. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't hmm. want to, to act as though these people who are like 26 and dating 45 year olds or whatever and like saying mean things about the person's ex wife and you know whatever. I don't want to act like those people don't have Agency because they do No, they do. They, they do. do. Yeah.
0: I just that's I just think that I don't understand it neither of their intentions or or motivations make sense to me. I guess that is why I find the uh that age gap more complicated.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a thread right now in the like conservative community i don't know do they have a community I thought they don't believe in communities the conservative space um, where underworld yes the, the, the seedy underbelly of american thought um where there where there's sort of this line that like men should only date go for women who are under twenty five and if you 're twenty five by the you know and you don't have a partner, then you're like a gross old lady or something, and I think part of that comes from a fear that these men have that an older woman or a woman that's age appropriate will know that they're bullshit. And young women don't have the life experience to detect the bullshit. So they need somebody who is not going to realize that they're absolute garbage at sex. They need to know somebody who's too young to realize (laughs) that they overplay how important they are and how smart they are and how cool they are. And the reason that they're able to do that with younger people is because they have no life experience to prove to the contrary. You can't get anything past a woman who's like been dating for 20 years by the time she's 35. She's just going to be like, nah,
5: dude, you're trash. Like, you're trash. (laughs) I will say from the TikTok videos that I see that make it to Instagram weeks, months later, <laughs> <laughs> the younger generation of like 20, 25 year olds are like so much more emotionally mature than I was. I feel like there's just like more of a conversation Fiona over there voguing. <laughs> no, it's really true. Like, I feel like there's like more of a conversation in everyone. Like, I've seen so many, not so many. I'm not like, These aren't popping up on my reels all the time, but just like young folks in their 20s being like, these are red flags. And I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I knew that when I was like 21, 22. So I I, I agree with you. But I also think I think we're getting to a point where like everyone is starting to catch up on like the bullshit, Mm -hmm. which I hope is continues. Mm -hmm. Jill, I wonder
1: um, how you see age gaps play out differently between straight couples versus people in the queer community? Is it as loaded a topic um, when you see a a woman who's, like, 50 dating a woman who's, like, 30, as it would be if the man were were a man who was 50 and a woman who was 30?
2: No. I mean, I feel like in specifically the lesbian community, like, that's the goal is, like, we love (laughs) older women. And so if there's, like— (laughs) <laughs> like, if you're 30 and you're dating, like, a hot 50-year-old yeah. woman, it's like, oh, my, like, you did it. Yep. Like, <laughs> how'd you do that? Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I think, like, this for me, and this is, might just be, like, my own personal code of contact, like, I still think the same rules apply where it's, like, I think there's, like, a certain age where it's still kind of just, like, creepy mm-hmm. where a person is too young and it feels like they don't really have the full agency um, or like their brains aren't fully developed enough to like be able to handle um, like uh, I don't know like a real adult sexual relationship with um, a person who should know better than dating like somebody so young. I don't know, mm-hmm. Alyssa. I wonder what you make of large age
1: gaps uh, in the straight community as a representative of straight people, um, because you're you're partnered with <laughs> a your husband is older than you. Yeah, he is. He's nine and a half years older than me. And do you do you do you sense the age
0: gap sometimes when you're hanging? Oh yes. yes. <laughs> I do. I do. But I will say nine times out of ten, it's to my benefit. Um, you know, it's like he he has been, he is very understanding of like, I am 10 years older than you. I've had time to do X, Y, and Z. So you go do X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, if it's like, places to travel or whatever. I mean, he's very like, um, you know, he also like makes a lot more money than me and is, is like, of course, but like now's your time to shine. But like, I I didn't know, how to say this? I met him when I was 35. And I think that when I was 35, I kind of had an idea. One, I was 35, okay? It's Mm -hmm. like I was already of advanced maternal age, according to the world. So, like, I clearly, clearly.
2: Didn't one of your White
0: House colleagues say that to you on your 35th birthday? Sure did. Hey, Mastro. I was getting my morning latte. Hey, Mastro, happy birthday. You're, you're officially of advanced maternal age. And I was like, (laughs) yes. And I finally have a boyfriend who's nice to me. Um, (laughs) but I felt like when I was 35, I kind of had a sense of what I wanted and where I wanted to go. Like I was already kind of like on my way. Out of the White House, and had and and knew kind of when I left that I I wanted to be free and do something new, and like that has been the the uh, beauty of uh, my relationship with my husband. He's like totally supportive of it. He's like, yeah, man, you want to do a podcast with Aaron? You do a podcast with Aaron. It's like <laughs> you want to make jam? Go fucking make some jam. You know, like it's very good. But like I think if for me because I was thirty five, I was thirty five, and he was forty four. I guess is that right? He'll probably going to kill me. He's going to be like, "Don't you know how old I am?" <laughs> um, but like he he had seen he had done kind of what he wanted to do. I kind of understood who I who I was and we like loved each other and it was great. And but like if I had been 25 and he had been 35, we would not have ended up getting married. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we were just totally completely different people. Yeah. And close off that frontal lobe. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my, my soft spot was gone, you know, (laughs) finally my soft spot had hardened over there. And so, you know, and that's to me, I just think it's like, and some people look, some people mature much faster than others. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, I'm for me personally, I'm just saying that like, while I was Old enough to run the federal government at a very at like the age of thirty two, I was not necessarily even at thirty two ready to be like you're my life partner, (laughs) (laughs) and that's just the truth. Real,
1: (laughs) Tien, what has your experience been? um, Either yourself dating someone with a big age gap, or having somebody close to you dating somebody with a large age gap, and and
5: how did it turn out? Um. You know, I, similarly to like what Alyssa was saying, I've just had friends who in recent years have started dating people that are a little older. Um, and I, I think it like once you hit that sort of like 30, 35, and once you realize, I feel like I'm at a place where like I know what I want. And I feel like if I were to start, I, I'm married, so I'm not going to. But <laughs> if I were to like be back out there in the dating world that I would have, I think I would open up my age Probably range a little older. Like I would, I would, I, I would be open to dating someone who is like older than me. As Jill said, the 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 gold crown of the lesbian world, which is to like date someone in their fifties right now. Um, <laughs> to find my own Holland Taylor, um, but I think it's okay. I mean, it's working. It's working out well for my friends mm-hmm. right now because I do think like once you hit a certain age, I think I agree with what Jill and Alyssa were saying earlier. Like if you hit a certain age and like you know, you're in your 30s, 40s, and you're dating someone who's older than you. And you all are like on the same page, you feel like you have the same dynamics of power dynamics and agency, like, I think it'll work out. I think it's working out for my friends that are that are doing it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I think one benefit of dating somebody who's like older, uh, and by older, I don't mean necessarily in relation to your your age, I mean, like over 35 Mm -hmm. is like at 35, everyone gets pretty tired. And like, they're too yes, tired to, to be, like, <laughs> try new things. So like, they're, no, they're too tired to be like assholes. They're too tired to like Mm-mm. terrorize you. And like young people, I think myself included when I was young, it was a nightmare, um, are like very hormonal and emotional men and women oh, young, yeah. men under 30. Are nightmares they're so hormonal
5: No, under 30 I was like telling every girlfriend or pr- woman that I was dating like come to my improv show you have to <laughs> or you don't love me and I'm like what? no this is no this is not okay <laughs> this,
2: that's actually toxic <laughs> that is really
5: toxic <laughs> as soon as my as soon as my soft spot closed I was like huh
1: <laughs> nobody has to come to these all the time well there's been there's been some research into age gaps and and what translates into relationship success. Hmm. Uh, and even though like that is kind of a loaded topic because like what is a successful relationship? Is it one that never breaks up except through death? Because that means relationships <laughs> have a very low success rate. Um, but researchers have looked into uh, age gaps and they analyzed 3,000 people and it found that couples with a five-year age gap are 18% more likely to split up than people are of the same age so the ideal is Hmm. like being right around the same age as Hmm. your partner that figure rose to 39 percent for couples with a 10-year age gap and a shocking 95 percent for those with a 20-year age gap (laughs) so
5: can't fight the science
1: (laughs) it's science guys it's science uh the sweet spot lies in just a one-year gap between spouses um they're just—they have a 3% chance of wow. separating or getting a divorce, which is funny. My husband is, like, almost five years older than me, so I guess we're playing the odds. Yeah. <laughs> Better than a post No, Yeah, I, I gotta say, I um, I dated somebody, like, a few—before I met my husband, obviously, who was, like, 17 years older than me. And when we first met, it didn't bother me because it was like, ah, oh, it's just a cool person. We get along, mm-hmm. you know? But— um, then I kind of was like, hmm, this person was like a senior in high school when I was a baby. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that at all. And like once and, and talk about getting the ick. Once I like had done that math and I like there's a picture of me in the year like 1987 and I'm wearing a Minnesota Twins World Champion shirt. And it's way too big for me because I'm like <laughs> tiny. I'm a tiny little child. And he was in college. And I'm like. I I can't I can't unthink that. Uh, you know, and yeah. and some people are okay with age gaps and it works out for them or whatever, but like I, for, that was where I was like, oh, nope, can't do it, can't do it anymore. <laughs> um the other side of that is when I was like hitting, getting to my mid 30s, I knew a few straight women who kind of came to the same realization independently. And that was that if they wanted to date men but not necessarily seriously mm-hmm. to date men who were mm. significantly younger oh. than them, um, because they the young that, the men that were younger than them were sort of like not necessarily at an age where they were looking to settle down. It was like uncomplicated, and so they were able to spend time physically with a younger person and have like the sexual benefits of that. Um, and then also not have to deal with any sort of, like, pressure. Like, oh, you guys are both 36. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you going to do? It's like, no, he's 27. He's hanging out with—he says Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> you know, he's he's not doing anything complicated. <laughs> um, and I, I don't think every single relationship necessarily needs to be one where both partners are like, we're doing this for the yeah. long haul. You know, like, you can have an unserious relationship, and that's fine. And I think sometimes playing with age gaps— in is as a way to ensure unseriousness is like not
5: bad yeah i I, I don't know no like the mom from unorthodox did anyone watch that on netflix
0: okay thank you are you kidding i watched it (laughs) (laughs)
5: like the mom from unorthodox who was just like yeah i'm gonna go out and sleep with someone and slept with like a 20 year old kid (laughs) a 27 year old guy who was like so into her. And then she came back out the next morning and like was like, I can't believe I did it. <laughs> the
1: same age I my daughter. And I was like, get it. Oh, my God. Did you guys watch casual <laughs> yeah. walk in? Yes, yes, yes. OK. in I think one of the first couple episodes, Michaela's character oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. up with a guy who's like in his early 20s. And when she wakes up the next day, she like folds his clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me.
0: That's what I would do.
1: Oh, I never want to date again. <laughs> no, ever, it? Never, ever, never, That sounds <laughs> <No>. horrible. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely never. Absolutely <laughs> horrible. Um, so just kind of rounding out this conversation, Jill, why do you think that the age gap issue is such a lightning rod for controversy over and over again?
2: Oh, I mean, it's like so... I really do think it's, like, it differs within the different communities, like, in straight communities versus, like, I think it's, like, a constant outrage machine for, like, gay men from the straight community about, like, grooming and whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I mean, anything gay men do sexually, I think, is going to, like, be a part of the outrage machine for the far right. But I think, like, I don't know, for me... My feelings around it stem from, like, some experiences I had in my mid-20s where, like, when I was in my mid-20s, early mid-20s, I came out. And then I started dating women for the first time. And some of the, like, first women that I dated were, like, in their 30s. And I think I was that person, like, the... (laughs) of, like, the laundry being folded for them (laughs) where, like, they were not taking me very seriously. But for me, who was, like, just, like, new and, like, out and, like, it was, like, oh, my God, I'm dating these, like, hot women in their 30s, I was, like, very serious. I was, like, let's get married. Like, (laughs) and so I think, like, I think being on the same page is important. Like, if you are going to be dating people who are much younger, but to you it's just, you know, like, fun and it's about sex and whatever, like, definitely make sure they're on the same page about that. Mm-hmm. Um, And I think that, like, yeah, there's just so many different um ways that it could be complicated, Um, some of which are just like that where it's more, like, emotional and internal, some of which is just, like, there are some really morally— weird, uh, you know, ways to go about age gaps. Like, I do think, like, a 19-year-old girl or Mm -hmm. even, like, up to, like I said, like, a 25-year-old girl dating a guy who's, like, 40s, 50s, older. It's just kind of like, my guy, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, this girl doesn't know... This girl probably doesn't even know who, I don't know why this is what's coming to mind, but like Miss Elliott. She doesn't know who Miss Elliott is. That's weird. <laughs> like just something you can't talk about. I don't know. I talked to a 25-year-old recently who didn't know who Miss Elliott was, and I was like, like, she's still around. Yeah. I don't know. Just I think it's like, do it if it's gonna be hot, and if not, um, like I don't know just like check in with yourself about what you're looking for in this Mm -hmm. I think that's a
1: great note to end on but not end end because we're just going to take a break and when we come back we are talking about Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty stick around
4: (laughs)
1: And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that always solves all the problems, no matter what. <laughs> fact. That's yeah. T- fact. Before fact, we get facts. into Sanity Corner, some announcements for the class. Crooked is raising money for Vote Save America's Fuck Bans, Leave Queer Kids Alone funds, supporting organizations on the ground in states that are banning care and targeting trans youth.
0: Our original goal was $50,000, but you're all so amazing and have crushed that already. Now we're doubling it to 100K. Crooked fans are
1: the best, the most generous, the most generous, caring people. That's so impressive. Uh, you can donate to either political impact organizations or tax-deductible nonprofits or both. Just head to votesaveamerica.com slash fuckbans to learn more and donate today if you haven't already. If you have, oh my gosh, thank you. That's great. Thank you so much. Okay. Now let's get into it. Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. I actually have a Sanity Corner this week, guys. <sighs> I know. I'm normally just like, ah, I hate everything. Because I— I have to drive sometimes in Los Angeles, and it makes me angry. Oh my gosh,
0: Alyssa, is that? Is that yeah, you guys, it's real. It's real. Are
3: you, all Are you all okay? Right? okay.
0: Everyone keep going. If I ditch, we ditch. I'll Erin, I'll go after you. Okay. Alyssa's <laughs> podcasting from a tornado
1: warning. Yeah. Again, if your ears pop, get into a basement. Guys, I
0: won't be reckless.
1: I won't yeah. be reckless. Okay. A train
0: sounds, ears popping, green skies, you know. The, yeah. I'm not multitasking. I'm just, I'm checking my weather, guys, right now. Keep going. Yeah.
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay. So here's what's <laughs> keeping me sane this week. There is a news story that when I first read it, I was like, wait, what? And the more I read about it, the more incredible it is. And that is the story of the four children that were lost in a Colombian jungle for 40 days and survived. The four children were members of an indigenous community in Colombia. They were on a small plane with their mother and two other adults, and the plane crashed. So, in places like you know densely forested Colombia, it's like easier sometimes to get between cities on a plane versus the roads. Um, and it crashed, and all the the adults aboard died. No. There were four children: a thirteen year old girl, her two nine year old a nine year old brother, a four year old brother and a one-year-old baby. And the 13-year-old girl, like, kept her brothers alive in the jungle for 40 days. They ate um, cassava flour, and they built small shelters for themselves. And in Colombia, their—the search for them was, like, this huge national news story. Like, The plane crashed. They found all the the adults dead. Near the plane crash site, they found some indications that the children might still be alive. And so they sent out military. They sent out members of their own indigenous community looking for them. Um, They had their grandmother, who who was, you know, alive because she wasn't on the plane. Their grandmother made a recording that was like in their native language, like, come on, you know, kids go to the rescuers. Um, But the children who lived in a part of the country that had been sort of frequented by FARC, rebels, um, and had, uh, been targeted by, they they were afraid of, you know, the search party. So they hid, they hid and they, like, they stayed, a one-year-old baby, a 13-year-old girl, a nine and a four-year-old boy. I'm like, completely, my mind is boggled. And, um, and all the news stories about this, which we'll, we'll link one of them in show notes, um, a lot of attribution is going to the fact that they were a member of an indigenous community that, that lived in concert with the natural world. And these children knew how to survive. They knew what they could eat. They knew how to build shelter for themselves. And they like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, it's like mind boggling to me. If like people, yeah. people died looking for them. What? Yeah, fuck. I didn't know that. People died looking for them. Um the part of the jungle where they were found, there's like snakes, there's wild cats, there's like they they lived. How? 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 Um, But now they're back with uh, their grandmother and their father are still alive. They have a lot of family members that are still alive. And they, as far as I know, they were treated for malnutrition. And hopefully soon they'll be returned to their families. But that's like, it's my sanity corner because when I start thinking about it, I can't think about anything else. It's like crazy. It's amazing. And I hope that if there's ever, like, these children's story is ever told in the form of, like, a book or a film, that Mm -hmm. they are they get 100% of the proceeds from it because, like, I don't want some some Netflix knucklehead trying to, (laughs) like, steal their story and profit off of it. So that's my Sanity Corner this week. It's absolutely a crazy story. Tien, I am shovel-passing to you. Sanity Corner. Right up.
5: You really want mine. Mine is so
1: dumb. I want it. Oh,
5: my gosh. Give it to me. Okay, great. After that beautiful story of survival and perseverance— I'm going to tell you my buddy, <laughs> which is, it's real. I've felt it recently. It's when I'm driving, this is so dumb, but when I'm driving uh-huh. and I'm at a stop sign and I've clearly stopped before another car, I hate when the other car tells <laughs> me when to go. It, it free. Uh, Alyssa, you're, are you, it pisses <laughs> me off so much like my blood boils (laughs) when I am being told when I'm allowed to go when I was the first at the stop sign I hate that no I hate it too I like I wanted it's It's so male male. it's such a mass quality it like drives me insane it makes me mad for like Way too long after the stop sign. <laughs> like, do you feel the same way when you're a pedestrian yeah.
1: and you're about to cross and there's a car? And it's like, yeah, bitch, I've got right away. I'm a fucking pedestrian.
5: <laughs> With, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go. go. <laughs> I'm gonna go. No, I, yeah. I also feel very, but so there's something about being in a car and like being told by, it's usually, it is usually a dude and like, the urge I have to roll my window and just be like, fuck you, what? <laughs> is so strong. I don't need your permission. I don't need your permission. I'm driving. I, I'm an independent woman. <laughs> it's
0: Tien, <laughs> yes. I 100% co-sign this sentiment. Because let me tell you something. I uh, My parents, God bless, could not teach me how to drive. I went to driving school, and it was like a very serious driving school. So when I'm at a four-way stop— I'm like, I know I have the right of way. I'm the car to the right. And I got here first. Yeah. Don't <laughs> fucking tell me, okay? Like it is, it is. Because then I think to myself, you're a bad driver because yes. you clearly didn't go to driving school because I know I should go. So stop. Yes, yes. My hands are at ten and two, and I'm at the stop sign. I know always when to go. Always ten and two. You do not have control of the car if you're not at ten and two. I'm always ten and two. Oh my god. Um, I wonder if you. I wonder if you all do
1: this. Uh, I am super passive aggressive. Like if I see rule breaking on the or rule bending. Like if somebody's trying to do a California rule, which is where you don't stop at a stop oh, sign, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. you just kind of slow down. And it's like my turn to go and I can mm. see they're not stopped. And I like, am going to like turn in front of them. I will turn so
0: slowly.
2: <laughs> it's like, yeah,
1: <laughs> I that. I bet you wish you stopped I love I love because that. I would be going regular speed if you had just followed the
5: rules. So take that. <laughs> like that I'm gonna start using that sort of
0: I'm gonna logic. be a treasure when I'm driving in my 80s <laughs> oh god
5: hopefully by then
1: hopefully by then we'll have flying cars right? right I mean George Jetson promised us I so. just can't believe we destroyed the whole planet before we had a car that could fly
5: <laughs> like, here's hoping here's, here's open
1: it's absolutely fucking unacceptable unacceptable
0: <laughs> Alyssa sanity corner or I feel petty Guys, I have a sanity corner, what? and it's it's all for you, LA people, because you guys know I'm very I'm soup I'm I'm obviously very East Coast. Fine for all its good and bad, but you know what? LA crushes their NPR KCRW. <laughs> okay, yeah, KCRW absolutely. is absolutely hands crushes down up. one of the best. I love WAMC up in Albany. Shout out or a, whichever one it is, but like KCRW. But it's not just KCRW; it is. Evan Kleinman, the <laughs> god fairy of the LA food scene. And you know what? Like Aaron, you and I have talked about Like we listen to BBC Global News <laughs> podcast. Every love day. it. It's how I find out what's going on in the world. I used to listen before bed, but guys, the world is too stressful. Ever since the war in Ukraine, I'm like, I cannot go to sleep this way. I'm sorry if it makes me a pussy, but I can't. And I discovered Evan Kleinman. KCRW. Her (laughs) voice is so great. It, all of her food, it's a food podcast called Good Food and it's all about food, but it's also about community. And I learned so much about different neighborhoods in LA and different foods. And it's like, it is a joy. I have downloaded the KCRW app because I don't want what's just available as a podcast. I want to listen to (laughs) all the episodes going back in time. And I have ordered (laughs) shit from weird farmers markets in LA just because she told me to. I was like talking to someone in town the other day and I was like, Do you know that it's like special pepper season out in LA? And they're like, What are you talking about? And I'm like, Guys, who is growing peppers successfully right now? I would love to meet them. Someone at a farmers market. But I'm telling you, if you're not listening to Evan Kleinman, KCRW, you are losing if you are in LA and we can't be friends.
5: (laughs) Okay,
1: okay. Okay, I'm going to start. Okay. Do it. You'll
0: love it. I know I'm going to love Me it. Me too. I want to yeah, be friends. I be friends <laughs> <laughs> okay. She is, a, she is a, a culinary multitasker, and I love her, but her voice is so perfect. That's yeah. all I have to say. That's it. That's good recommendation. <sighs> and uh, Enjoy. shout out
1: to KCRW, our, our local NPR station Woo-woo. here. We, we love it. Um, okay,
2: Jill, round us out. I'm feeling petty, unfortunately. Um, I, because it's like barbecue season, we're entering barbecue era. I want to bring something (laughs) up around the barbecue. Um, People who don't say, can I bring something when you're having a barbecue? I think that that is such a like defect, like a personality defect. (laughs) Um, Like I, my girlfriend and I hosted a barbecue this weekend and I feel like we're, you know, like in our like early 30s, we're not like wealthy. The vibe is very backyard, like bring something, even though it's not like explicitly a potluck, like we're, it would be nice to bring something. <laughs> and I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like, I'm even, like, going to go for saying, like, the day before, saying, like, hey, like, mm-hmm. is there anything I can bring? Even if you don't really mean it. Even if you're just going to bring, like, a bottle of wine, which is enough and perfect and thank you. Like, I just—to text, like, right before and be like, oh, do you guys need anything? Um, Or to not say anything, I just think is, like, so crazy and, like, you need to do that.
5: You need to do that. You
2: need to Okay, it. I
5: couldn't agree more. I 100% agree.
1: Yeah. And I think passive-aggressive response to that is tell them to bring a bag of ice. Because that's a huge pain in the ass. To get. And they waited until the last minute. (laughs) And that's what you get.
0: Now you get to bring ice. Can I tell you a creative thing that I went to a barbecue once and someone told me to bring? Because I asked because I'm a proper human. Literally recyclable Tupperware. Or like, you know, Tupperware so people can take stuff home so you don't end up with so much stuff in your fridge that's going to go bad. I was like, you know what? That is, yes, I will bring you some Gladware. Like, I thought that was nice. So anyway, for anyone listening, if you don't want to have like 10 cans of like baked beans in your fridge, tell people to bring Tupperware too. Jill, can I ask you, are you going to
5: invite these people that didn't say anything or asked of the day of back to a future barbecue?
2: I, I think I will, but I do think that I'm going to be putting, like, more restrictions on, or maybe even, like, on the little invite flyer that I make. Like, I might just say, bring, bring something. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't— Or can you say something like, I don't know if it's tacky, but if it's like you're doing
0: a barbecue, be like, we'll be providing the barbecued meats and buns.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what
0: I mean? Like, so that, you know. Yeah. Everybody
1: everybody should have, like, a, a like, home run salad, Like side salad that you can take to a cookout in your back pocket going into summer. And if you don't have it, you need to figure it out. Yes. There are like, there's no excuse. It's like tomato season. It's corn season. Chop up some tomatoes and Mm -hmm. corn.
0: Yep. Slaw season. Yeah.
1: Throw some cilantro in there and some lime
0: juice. And that's secretly everybody loves some ambrosia. That's ex- exactly <laughs> like, do I? <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you make a potato salad, spice it. Yeah, it's also just like, I think making something is so nice. It just makes the, the mm-hmm. vibe of the barbecue so like nice and homemade. It's like, I don't know, even like picking up like a little side that like nobody, more more than one person can eat from Whole Foods on the way there. It's like, come on. It's so easy. Yeah. Bring some condiments, bring some pickled jalapenos, bring something. hmm. Yeah. Don't
0: bring fancy ketchup, though. Anytime
1: anybody tries to get fancy
0: with ketchup, I'm like— No, no one wants that. Go to a
1: restaurant, and they're like, we make our own ketchup here. And you're like, fuck you. I want Heinz. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Do you also have Heinz? Yeah, Yeah, cool. Does Heinz make you ketchup? Um, Okay, uh, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Jill and Tian, thank you so much for stopping by Alyssa thank you for being my ride or die listeners thank you for continuing to listen sticking around with us for more than 250 episodes there will be more hysteria for you next week woo hey, 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 hey. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production Caroline Reston is our senior producer our executive producer is me Aaron Ryan and Alyssa Mastermonico is our co-producer Fiona Pestana is our associate producer the show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel and thank you to Julia Beach Ewa Okulate Amelia Montuth, Adia Hill and David Tolls for production support every week don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content post takeovers and other community events